everyone. Welcome to Dot Elyon Podcasts. My name is Yoel Glick, and I am the director of Dot Elyon, a center for Jewish meditation and spiritual training in the holy city of Jerusalem. We are excited to offer these podcasts during this period of uncertainty and crisis, where everything in our world has been turned upside down. We hope that the podcast will bring strength and inspiration to all of you who are homebound today and help you to stay energized and keep a positive attitude of mind. topic of today's podcast is Divine Vision. For 12 years, Rabbi David of Lelov fasted from one Sabbath to the next and subjected himself to all manner of spiritual disciplines. Yet he still felt that he had not attained the goal. Perplexed, he decided to go to the great Hasidic master, Elimelech of Lezinsk, to ask for his advice. On the eve of the Sabbath, he came before Rebbe Elimelech, together with many other Hasidim. Rebbe Elimelech shook hands and greeted everyone warmly, except Rabbi David, whom he ignored and then turned away. Appalled at this treatment, Rabbi David decided that the Rebbe must have mistaken him for somebody else. After the evening prayers, once again approached Reb Elimelech with an outstretched hand, but he was treated in exactly the same manner. Heartbroken, Rabbi David decided to leave Lezinsk as soon as the Sabbath was over. He wept all through the night and all through the next day. As sunset approached and the sacred third meal began, he heard Rebbe Melech begin to speak. Sometimes, he said, people come to me who fast and torment themselves for twelve whole years. And after that, they consider themselves worthy to receive the Holy Spirit and ask me to draw it down upon them. But the truth of the matter is that all their disciplines and all their pains are less than a drop in the sea. All that service of theirs does not rise to God, but to the idol of their pride. Such people must turn to God and begin to serve with a truthful heart. As he listened to the tzaddik, the holy man's words, by David was devastated. His spirit was so broken that he almost lost consciousness. He dragged himself to a window and stared blankly outside. After the Sabbath was finished, he approached the door of Rebbe Melech's study and, trembling with fear, stood on the threshold. In an instant, Rebbe Elimelech rose from his chair and ran to embrace Rabbi David. Blessed be he that comes, he cried, 
Then he drew Rabbi David towards the table and seated him at his side. Seeing this behavior, Rabbi Elimelech's son Eliezer could no longer restrain himself. Father, he exclaimed, this is the same man that you turned to aid twice because you could not endure the mere sight of him. Not so, Rabbi Elimelech answered. That was an entirely different person. Don't you see that this is our dear Rabbi David? What an unusual story this is. How we feel for Rabbi David. How the behavior of Rabbi Elimelech perplexes us. Yet what a profound teaching this is about the way we perceive reality, but the way we interact with others in our lives. We live in a world of appearances. We judge others and they in turn judge us by our external facade. We rarely see beyond the outer impression. We never look at what is happening inside. How quickly we decide what a person is like by the garments that he or she wears, the position they have, the self-confidence or lack thereof that they project. Yet what a superficial way this is of looking at other people. This is not the way an enlightened soul sees the world. The enlightened soul penetrates through the outer level of seeing. He interacts with the inner human being, looks beyond the words and projections of the external personality to read the feelings in a person's heart. The 19th century Indian saint Sri Ramakrishna had an extraordinary capacity for seeing into a person's inner world. He once remarked about a certain devotee, everything inside him can be seen through his eyes, as one sees the objects in a room through a glass door. On another occasion, a worldly man came to visit him who feigned his spiritual interest. After he left, Ramakrishna asked one of his disciples to sprinkle holy water from the Ganges River on the spot where he sat, declaring that the man's negative emanation had permeated into the very ground. At another time, a famous musician came to perform at the temple complex where Sri Ramakrishna lived, but the saint got no enjoyment whatsoever from his singing. Everyone was surprised to see this, as normally religious singing sent Ramakrishna into a state of profound ecstasy. Later, it was discovered that the man led an immoral life with a string of mistresses and a series of, du- a series of dubious business affairs. Imagine seeing into a person's soul like that, looking through his or her eyes as if you were seeing through a glass door. We call ourselves perceptive, what do we really know? We need to learn to look to the soul and not the personality, to gaze more deeply and see more clearly, to perceive the true state of each human being. 
How can we learn to see the world this way? How can we acquire such an X-ray vision? There is a story that is told about Sri Ramakrishna that powerfully portrays his complete sense of detachment from the things of the world. Ramakrishna had a cousin named Herode, who looked after him at the temple where he lived. One day, Herode did something incredibly arrogant and thoughtless that infuriated the son of the owner of the temple. The owner sent his servant to tell Herode that he had to leave the temple and never come back. The servant went to tell Herode, who was sitting with Ramakrishna in his room, where he was teaching a group of devotees. The servant mistakenly told Ramakrishna he had to leave as well. Without a moment's hesitation, Ramakrishna stopped talking, put his towel over his shoulder, and started walking towards the gate, leaving the room and home where he had lived for more than 20 years. As Ramakrishna approached the gate, the owner of the temple saw him and came running after him. Where are you going, sir? he said. I did not mean for you to leave. Please stay here in the temple. Consider it your own home. Without a word or any other sign of reaction, Ramakrishna turned in the opposite direction and headed back to his room and then resumed the conversation with his devotees in the place where he had left off before. What extraordinary detachment! What incredible equanimity! When we have such equanimity, we are impressed or disturbed by nothing. There is no emotion or no mental turmoil to corrupt or distort our vision. We see people as they really are. St. Francis of Assisi also had the ability to intuitively sense the spiritual state of the young men who came to him. Story it's told about how a young nobleman from one of the towns in the area came weeping to Francis and asked to join the order. To the astonishment of the other brothers, Francis showed little sympathy to the new arrival and at once began speaking to him severely. Your weeping is a lie, he said. Your heart does not belong to God. Why do you lie to the Holy Ghost and to me? It soon became clear that the young man's desire to join the brotherhood was nothing more than a passing fancy that arose out of his unhappiness at home. When his parents arrived shortly thereafter to plead with him to return, the young man abandoned St. Francis and the brothers without a moment's hesitation. There is another way to understand this type of inner vision, one that speaks not of detachment, but of spiritual science. Each of us has our own particular spiritual quality. The spiritual quality is created by everything that we think, 
say, and do. Our thoughts, emotions, and actions all have an effect on our spiritual centers or chakras. All of them affect the emanation from our sefirot. The spiritually evolved soul has a developed sensitivity to these energy emanations. He or she lives in a world of energies where every interaction is experienced as an energy exchange. Though she remains aware of the external personality, most of her attention is focused on the individual's inner spiritual vibration. For her, this energetic emanation is the predominant reality. We have a beautiful example of this level of sight in the biblical story of the visit of the three angels to the tent of Abraham and Sarah. When three angels came to Abraham on the third day of his, after his circumcision to heal him of his pain, to announce the birth of Isaac, and to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Torah tells us, quote, And he, meaning Abraham, lifted up his eyes and looked, Vayira in Hebrew, and lo, there were three men who stood by him, and when he saw them, Vayera again, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground. The Hasidic master Levi Yitzhak of Berachev asks, why does the Torah repeat the word Vayera and he saw twice in this sentence? Because he answers, there is more than one level of seeing. First, Abraham lifted his eyes and just saw three men approaching his tent. This evoked no particular reaction from him. Then he looked again and saw them. That is, he experienced the great spiritual radiance that was emanating from the angels. He now recognized that they were not ordinary people. Therefore he jumped up from his place and ran towards the angels, bowing down to the ground before them. What do we see when we look at someone? Do we see who they are or what we expect to see? Abraham lived in a place without many dwellings. Wanderers came and went all the time. First, all he saw was three more travelers coming his way. Then as they got closer, he looked at them a second time, using his inner and not his outer sight, and had a whole other level of experience. This insight of Reb Levi Yitzchak explains why an enlightened soul sometimes treats a seemingly great sinner with love and compassion, and a proclaimed saint with indifference or disdain. They look at the inner person and not the outer garment. They respond to the needs of the soul and not to the worldly reputation, the words and actions that are seen with physical eyes. There is yet another level of spiritual perception that we can attain. On this level, we see everyone as ourself. There's a total bond, a perfect attunement, a fusion in consciousness with all that is. 
we identify with others in the same manner that we identify with our own limbs. We know others as intimately as we know ourselves. This is what the Bible means when it commands us to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor because he or she and you are not really separate. Because they are your very own self. This mode of seeing transcends the normal sensory cues that determine people's relationships. In this state of awareness, the underlying reality of pure consciousness is the overriding perception. The whole of existence is experienced as one all-pervading unity. The entire universe and everything in it is perceived as one. This sublime state is beyond the reach of most of us, yet even the knowledge that it exists is comforting and uplifting. It encourages us to at least try to catch a glimpse of the higher reality. It inspires us to purify our hearts and raise our consciousness, to strive to see the world around us with divine vision on whatever level we can. Thank you for joining me today. It's been wonderful to be together with you. I hope your mind has been stimulated, your consciousness expanded, and your heart blown wide open. I look forward to sharing this time together with you next week. In the meanwhile, check out our website, datelion.org, D-A-A-T-E-L-Y-O-N, and come visit us the next time you're in Jerusalem. By the way, the beautiful theme song that begins and ends the podcast was composed and performed by Shachar Halevi. Thank you, Shachar. Shalom everyone, everyone, peace be with you all.